Hey everybody, welcome to the Wild Ones Podcast, where we work in love daily. I am your host, Chris Cox, and I am so excited to bring our next guest, our next wild one to the podcast, to the show, Carlos Barcenas. He is a business owner out of Grand Island who runs the I Choose Purple business, and we're definitely going to get into why that has been named that specific name. Uh, He is on the school board in Grand Island, and Carlos is a person that is really working every day to make a difference in his community, so always working in love daily. So without further ado, let's welcome Carlos to the podcast. Chris, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to sitting down. Love your setup. Love what you're doing. Love what WILD stands for. So I am here, and I'm ready to start. I know you mentioned a little bit about why I chose purple, but uh, again, thank you for what you're doing, not only as uh, making a difference in the community, you, your wife, your team. Thank you. So I'm here. Where do you want to start? <laughs> well, awesome. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That Thank you. And and I hope it comes through in everything that we do. And I want to start off and appreciate what you do in the community as well. And the first thing I want to get into is why create your business like why create it and then after that i want you to tell me why you chose i choose purple so if you can let everyone know why did you create your business where did you see a need what gap are you filling and why is that a passion for you definitely so i might address those two questions in 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 a, in a different order because i almost started with the idea of i really want to own my business it would be great to do something but about 10, 12 years ago, I wasn't ready for it. So I Choose Purple has been going for about three years. I am a speaker, um, equity consultant, facilitator. I also provide language services, English, Spanish, Spanish, English. But where that comes from, it's a way of living. So I am passionate about serving. When we came to the United States, I'm a Mexican citizen by birth, U.S. citizen by choice, spending Nebraska for 28, 29 years. Uh, but my parents raised us with this idea that, and I, I thought my dad was the one that owned this quote, right? Uh, he would always tell us, whoever, uh, uh, el que no sirve para vivir, el que no vive para servir, no sirve, no vive, no sirve para vivir. So let me translate that, right? It was from, if technically comes down to, if you don't live to serve, you don't deserve to live quite saying it kind of sounds a little dramatic there but i you know that's actually i think mother Teresa who said it but i heard it from my dad and i thought it was him so i figured it out and it's like yeah it wasn't you but this idea of serving it was about whatever you do it really served people that's where the beauty of life is so um when i had the opportunity of creating my my business i knew it had to connect to what i believe and who i was so i choose purple is a Purple is a secondary color. You have to mix your blues and your reds. And it's not a political statement, right? But it could be. It could play into politics. But you have to be intentional into mixing your blues and your reds to get purple. Your blues and your reds are your life experiences, your likes, your dislikes, your passions, your bias. It's all these things that we have. But in order to get the best out of life, I believe that you have to compromise at times, right? and put things together and that's where you get purple and the beauty of purple is that you can get the deep blues purple or you can get the red purples i mean there's a a, a spectrum 
but you have to be intentional. So about six years ago, I got up one morning and figured out how can I have a reminder of living intentional? So if I'm going to be intentional, I started by all my shirts, everything I wear is purple. I don't own any other color. It's all I have. I have multiples of the same thing because I figure if I can't commit to one little thing to do every day, such as wearing the same color, then am I really ready to make a life commitment, right? So yeah, for the last six years, I've been wearing the same color shirt as a reminder of living intentionally, serving others, and making a difference. So I know I'm giving you a spiel there. So let me let me pause there and hear your thoughts and We'll keep talking about it. No, it's awesome. I think it's great. I think to have that mantra, to have something that you follow as an internal code, as a business owner, as a community organizer, as someone who is in the community, that is great because you are role modeling that for other people. Because when they see you every day in the color purple, they're like, man, why's why's Carlos got the purple on? Why? And then you why tell does him, he have the same shirt he wore yeah, but you tell him, oh, I'm wearing purple because this is it's intentional for me to wear this because you have to come together to make this, you know, because everyone wants to say, oh, well, everything is gray. There's a gray area, but you don't have to be intentional to make gray. Gray just happened. It's just man, black and white, blah blah blah. It's kind of in the middle, but you have to, like you said, be intentional to make purple. So you're being intentional with your color, which leads to other conversations down the road. So I really enjoy the thought process that went into that to create that mantra so that I choose purple. Your business stands on that. So no one can say, well, you can't, you know, you're not standing on anything or you're not choosing something. You know, I'm standing on this. You have to be intentional and we need to come together intentionally to make something beautiful so that benefits everybody. Right. You know, and I would like to add that. So the the other part of this is, being an immigrant to the United States, um, I, I don't think it's uh, a lie, not a lie. It's not no secret. There you go. It's no secret that we have been going through a couple of years that have been tough for everybody, right? Um, when I came to the United States, one of the things that I, I heard a lot was we were telling uh, teachers, you have to become culturally competent because we have a growing population of immigrants. We were tell, asking law enforcement. You have to become more culturally competent because, you know, we have more culture. We were asking people in the medical field. So I was constantly hearing this request or ask, but I was not hearing a lot of, nobody was asking me to become culturally competent to the new culture, right? So I didn't know the language. I didn't know the culture. Um, went through the whole culture shock. So in the middle of this, I started realizing that there were really good people with good intentions, but it came across the wrong way or because of language or cultural differences, there was a misunderstanding and we could not come together. You know, it would set issues that would, topics, themes that would separate people because we were just not speaking the same language. So that's what led me to how do I create something where let's work with people that don't look like me, they don't sound like me. How do I work with differences? How do I work with commonalities? And I believe that's a skill that you can learn. So all this time that I've been here in the U.S., you know, one night I was sitting with my wife. I'm like, here's what I want to do. It's got to have purple. So I gave her a bunch of names. And I think it was one of them was like purple dot or the purple space. And then I choose purple came up and it was just mixing everything that I have to make a decision intentionally 
before I can change my community, right? My community is not going to change and then I'm going to change. I can be part of that change and bringing differences together. So that's really the theme of how I've been living my life and living intentional. And a reminder to me, I'm hard-headed at times, right? I have my ups and downs. Uh, I think it's a good part in leadership, the uh, inclusive leadership, uh, emotional intelligence. We have to prepare. We have to be intentional and step in those, I call it uncomfortable, comfortable conversations that you and I had at at one point, right, Uh, with uh, Connecting Young Nebraskans about, yeah, we have many differences, but before we shy away, what if we lean into that comfort and let's take our red and our blue and create some purple? So it is kind of like the wild podcast. It is, it is really living in love daily with what I do. And that's, that's why I reached out to you and I wanted you on the show because you are doing something you love and you're doing it daily. And the old adage is if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, you know? And there's truth to that. There's sometimes, even though you love it, it can be a little hard, but I will say for me, and I'm pretty sure you'll back me up, doing what I love and being able to do this and talk to people who are making a difference in their community, who are working to bring everyone together, being able to you know set up lights and do a podcast and all the little cool stuff and techie gadget stuff I like to do behind the scenes, I don't work. There may be times that it's frustrating, but it doesn't feel like work. And you can move through those frustrations so much easier and so much quicker. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, light at the end of the tunnel, because it just doesn't feel like work. And I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. And and everyone who's out there listening, man, you know, make some purple in your life. Like make some purple. Go be intentional and sit across the table from somebody and have a conversation. And instead of being red and blue and opposite ends of the spectrum, make some purple in your life. It'll make your community look a lot better. I'm telling you, telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. My next question, what I want to get into, Carlos, is you, you talked about I choose purple. And then in that, you touched on being an immigrant. You touched on your parents coming here from Mexico and you living in Nebraska for 20 some odd years. Can you tell me how or just talk about how being an immigrant, but then coming here and you said that cultural shock, how has that shaped you today? So talk about that initial transition from Mexico to here and then how that shaped you as you kind of got older and older and went through school and life and et cetera? Definitely. Um, you know, on the, on this journey, so coming when I was probably about 14 years old, um, at the beginning when my parents came as missionaries to, to Nebraska, because there was a missionary that was in our, in Mexico, in the town that we lived, um, who, when he came back to Nebraska, saw the growth of the Latino community, Spanish speaking community, and invited my, my, my mom and my dad to come uh, uh, and be part of the ministry here. Uh, so that's how our journey takes us to, to Nebraska. So while it was a little bit different than many others in immigrants that have come to the U.S., uh, there was a lot of crossover and similarities in that journey. Culture shock, meaning you come to a new place uh, where you don't know anyone, right? And also leaving, you know... You know how us Mexicans and Spanish culture is, you know, we're driven by family. We're driven by community. Uh, so we did leave everything we had. Um, we had a suitcase pretty much for each member of the family and left everything behind. 
um, and in the immigration process, trying to get through the religious visa and, and all that process, you know, it was a long time before we could go home. Coming to the U.S., trying to not having cousins, something that was familiar, um, have to learn the language. There's some cultural differences. There was a point that uh, I did not want to speak English in my house where my, my dad and my mom were like, we need to practice. And I'm like, this is our house. Why are we going to try speaking English? We can do that outside. Um, dealt with that. It was hard to, to assimilate. But then I started picking up on the baggage that the word Mexican or immigrant for some people in our community brought, right? It right now, similar to what we're going right now with politics, with immigration policy, um, with this idea of fear of, well, they're coming, they're taking and, and crime. So all these things that were added to the word Mexican, that I, for the first probably three years, did not want to tell people, even though I can't escape the, can't escape the color of my skin, I can't escape the accent, that I was from Mexico because I felt like automatically there was a link to, well, you're an immigrant, you're a criminal, you're not that good. So that was hard. Um, and as I met other immigrants in our community, there was that sense of, well, being careful or how are you treated? So it was a tough journey on that sense. Now, on the same token, I met wonderful people around my journey, other immigrant families, as well as second, third generation immigrants that have been here, teachers, educators in the school system and the community that spent the time to build a relationship that could see past. They made you feel, I, I can see past if you're Mexican or your accent. I can actually see who you are and, and the essence of uh, what you represent and really build a relationship, which again, links to what I try to live every day. Building relationships is such a key thing of our communities that I think when, when we build those relationships, I saw people disarm their thoughts or their being defensive. And actually, you know, when you build a relationship, you, you're able to stand up for people. doesn't mean that you're going to believe the same thing, agree on everything. Um, so that, yeah, that journey was tough. And also, and I was grateful to have my mom and my dad, my family, who they were supportive of always pushing to serve, connect, and have grace with others, and also be a quick to forgive. Uh, so I think that was a, a good piece of how I was able to deal with some of that emotional baggage that being an immigrant can cause. I, I want to ask if you can touch on a little more is how did you get through that period in your time where you wanted to both disassociate from your culture outside of your house, but also be deeply immersed in it when you were in your house? How did you reconcile that? Like, how did that, how did you do that go forth? Because that's got to be very, I, I can't speak to it as in culture. Um, in some ways I can, because I know when I came to Nebraska, and I say from New York City, it's a different lifestyle, right? It's a completely different mindset change of who am I now? Like, am I still from New York? Am I still like black? I'm so, but I know I couldn't act the same way or carry myself the same way I carried myself in New York City because it's a different environment. So on the outside and like on campus, I had to 
learn how to carry myself a different way. And when I got back into my dorm or my house, I wanted to carry myself like I used to. And it it probably took up until I was like 28, 29 years old to reconcile the two sides of me. And it took a lot. And took a very special person to help me do that. Shout out to my lady. There you go. <laughs> took a very special person to do that. So I wanted to ask if you can touch on that. How are you able to reconcile that difference in, in personality being from inside your house to outside your house? Thirty-five. So they were young when they brought us here. Um there was a point where we had the conversation and, and, and I think we all have a different journey. Um, and, and my experience was at one point, my dad said, you know, while we are Mexicans, we no longer can live the same way we did as Mexicans. That doesn't mean that your Mexican nationality and the culture that you bring and stop or changes. But now you, there's some things that you cannot do or access the same as we used to. So how do you learn like you did? Adapt to the community. You know, when I say a small town in, 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 that I came from a small town in Mexico, I'm talking like 2 million people. So coming from a small town to a smaller town of 40,000, was that, that was a small town, right? And, and getting used to the idea that for some people in Nebraska, Grand Island is a big city or a big town. So all these different perceptions, uh, and my, my dad and my mom were, were good at helping us navigate who are you and who's the essence of who you are? Yes, we still have our cultural values, right? And your cultural uh, beliefs um, that are also unique to you. Even though, you know, we're not all the same. Even though we come from Mexico, we might, that might be the only thing we are the same. So that conversation was really a, a game changer, life changer, where we said, okay, what are some of the things that we can't do because we're not in, in the same country, right? So how do we adapt? really took me to a place where I was about 16, 17 of saying, while I'm not home, I have my home with my family. And now other immigrant families become part of that family uh, that crosses cultural groups, language, um, and being, I think there was, this, I'm an extrovert that has, has learned to be an introvert, right? I, I energize with people. I reach out with people. So that was a bigger driver for me as well. I wanted to be in the community with people. And I also wanted to change that perception. You know, when I heard people say Mexican and I shied away from it, well, now I wanted to push it forward and say, I want to prove you wrong that what you've heard, what you've seen, it's not the truth. For it. It's not who I am. So it was a process. I learned the language. And as much as I try to, you know, work on my accent, it's still there. Uh, but wanted to make sure that conversation with my parents, I might be the only Mexican. Some of the people in our community might touch paths with, so make a good impression. So always with the mindset of really let's create change and get to know me. Let me get to know you. Be quick to forgive and have a lot of empathy. So it was tough, and I'm I think I'm still going through some of that. Uh, to your point of. Now, as I think back, I, I think I use some of this go along to get along where maybe I try to be more of the 
Anglo local communities, right? So you had your other friends that said, oh, you sold out and you just want to be one of them. Um, so some of that I, I'm still processing. Comments that I remember people saying that were borderline prejudiced races that back then maybe I thought, oh, that's not what, how they meant it. But now as I gotten older and looked at the situation and circumstances, I go back and I'm like, no, maybe that's exactly how they meant it. So it's been a good process. Uh, it was long. And I think there's still some things where I'm still trying to um, continue to grow. I don't know that you ever end. I, I think a lot of us as people of color, I, I think we go through that, especially if we have moved to a different environment. Like I said, I can't speak to the, uh, being an immigrant. But I can speak. I can speak to coming from one specific environment, from a huge city, to a really small town, being like the only one. And I think you're always constantly having that conversation with yourself. You're constantly evolving and growing and checking yourself and saying, "No, I don't have to go along. No, I, I can be me." And then you start to learn who me is. And as a parent and I know you're a parent as well once you learn who me is how do you pass that down to your children and again double-sided question here how do you take that into the community because you said you speak um, and you consult with different businesses or companies or schools and I'll just say overall how do you take that message how do you take that into the schools? How do you take that into the community? How do you take that to other businesses to help facilitate their growth? Good thing. We have to practice more self-awareness. Um, recognize the more we learn about ourselves, it's easier to have deeper conversations. Um, I believe many times we're not able to go through a deeper conversation about issues that are happening or that we're facing because we're since we don't know exactly where we stand, it's easy just to lash out because then we get to push back and fight and, and be over. Um, I really encourage this idea, concept of one, growth mindset. Get to know where you are. Culturally, for example, I, I, I do a lot of work on identity work, which m means... I'm not only, you know, I said I'm a Mexican citizen by, by birth, U.S. citizen by choice. I'm a father. I'm a husband. So I occupy all these different identities. Some of those identities, and depending how an issue I'm going to face or a crisis or so, uh, something happening, I'm going to see it through multiple lenses, kind of like when you go to the the ophthalmologist. Yeah, through one or, the one or two. The number one or number two. <laughs> right. Number one or number two. And you have all the And you're so you add all these lenses, and that's how you see it. Now, if you know what lenses are there, then you are able to then ask the question, why is this bugging me so much? Right? Why do I have this gut reaction to certain, I don't know, topics, issues? And you start looking at your lens and you're like, oh, it's touching on my ethnicity lens. So, but we where do we stand not only on on those identities, but also this uh external dimensions of identity 
which could be your your religion, your spiritual belief, your political affiliation, um, how much school you have. You know, those are things that you can change. But many times we believe them so much, we haven't stopped to question, why do I believe what I believe? So the concepts that, how do I take this to communities? How do I take this to uh, leaders, to organizations? When they say, hey, we want to create a more diverse equity. We want to explore that world. Well, I start with the I, with who am I? I don't think you can, you can't change a community without changing the individual. So before we get into systemic issues, before we get into how welcoming or not welcoming our community is, I invite them to explore that I piece. Understanding who we are, what we, why we believe what we believe helps us understand the other. Also, acceptance doesn't mean agreement. So we can have a conversation and you can tell me something and I can accept what you're telling me and completely disagree with it. And, I, you know, we're getting more into those uh, civility civ conver civ uh, conversations, right? Can we have some of those uh, discourse um, and still get still to stay at the table, right? still have the conversation and, and create yeah, so create an answer or create a, we can work together on so many things and still be on opposite sides of a spectrum, right? Um, but uh, having that muscle or having that ability is a muscle. So how do we do that? So that's the piece. And again, we could go into so many different ways of approaching equity work or diversity work. I just take it back to hopefully a foundation of before you do all these things that you want to do that are great, I want you to know yourself better and why are you going to create those changes right so that's one piece um you touched a little bit on like how do we take it to my children you know that has been a learning journey and i it sounds like a joke but i i have learned to approach it this way you know, before having kids and my wife is from the huge city of saint labore nebraska right so when we moved to grand island um it was a big city for her. She didn't want to move there because it was too big, and I didn't want to move to St. Laborie because it was way too small. But uh, we have a, a blended family. Uh, she is born, raised in the U.S. So we've had those ethnic race talks, language talks. And before we had kids, people asked, are you going to teach them Spanish? And here's what I have learned. <clears throat> or what are they going to be? Are they going to be Mexican? Are they going to be American? So my three... Mexican friends or type of friends I have is, you know, I have my Mexican friends that have kids and say, my kids are Mexican because they are born from us that are Mexican. I have others that say our kids are Mexican American because they are born in the U.S. but born from Mexican parents. And I have a third uh, group of friends that are Mexicans that say our kids are American because they were born in the U.S. When it comes to language, everybody's a different. It's so hard. It, it, I, I props. Kudos to all of you that are bilingual and are teaching your kids a second language. It's hard. But, you know, so how do I... It's been a journey of my kids have picked up on certain parts of language, right? But they have also experienced daddy looks different. Like my little one, uh, my dad is light-skinned. See, and that's one of the differences. When I came from Mexico, skin color was not really an issue so when people are like, well, why are you kids white? What is your family? I'm like, we have white people in Mexico, right? green eyes, blue eyes. So the colorism is there. Um, 
But one of the things that we've experienced, my little one was telling me the other day, Daddy, I'm going to be like you. And he was holding his mustache. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm going to have a beard and a mustache. I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, but the only difference is that I'm going to be black or I'm going to be white. And I'm like, and what am I? He's like, you're black. Uh, so they see that, right? They understand that. And uh, on the at, on the inner core of, so if you get into the circle of family and processing this, one of the things that we had to process is what name do I give my children? I'm not one to pull the race card, right, at everything. or as a, I think that we have racism. We have those issues. But I knew that they're already going to have a Barcelona's last name, even though they're light-skinned. Do I want to give them a Latino-Spanish or sounding name? And that might become another barrier. So we ended up actually giving them a Latino-sounding name and an Anglo-sounding name. And it's been hard to process, right? Because you're thinking it's part of my identity, but I just want to keep them safe and give them opportunities. Um, and they've also been in situations where um, they know and they say, Daddy, they're, just, they're talking about you. And so there's this multiple identities that we've had to process. And to me, that has been also, a, how do I pass that on to businesses? How do I pass it on to our kids? It's not just about race. It's about oh, so many other things. The thing that I want to pass on was love people, serve people. Doesn't mean that you have to agree, but also pass your judgment and be present. So I'm still in that journey I, I, and, and we can go so many different ways. It's I think that journey is, is always there. And, and as a parent, like I said, and as a parent of children that are biracial, like my children are Afro-Latino. And having those conversations, because again, I'm I'm light skinned, but I'm still darker than my children. And so having those conversations of raising them in this world is is definitely because I have to go step through different identities, like you said. And, and before I could jump into that, I really want to say how impressed or how I really enjoyed your breakdown or your analogy to going to the optometrist i think literally talking about lenses and the lenses that we put in front of our eye because what's the best saying the eye is the window to the soul right so you knowing you knowing your soul and being able to understand what lenses are in front of you i think is an amazing analogy and i think that you definitely copyright that right or i'm gonna use it there you go. <laughs> but it, I, I think it's amazing yeah. because it really puts a really big a really good and well-defined picture as to how we especially people of color how we see things especially when people ask us well why does this make you mad why are you upset about what's happening in minnesota you're not from minnesota you're not from there and it's like yeah but i'm a black man i am a large you know what I'm, saying? I'm a bigger black man i've come from the inner city and i have that lens of having dealings with the police so those issues touch that nerve or touch that glass or touch that lens every time and you have to process each and every one of them to come to a statement that is true to you and also the way that you can break it down and others can understand where you're coming from so i i think that was amazing I, when you were talking about it's like that is probably the best i've heard someone explain that and especially going back to when you said you got to know the eye you got to know you. So you have to know the window to you, your soul. You have to check that, know that, have growth in yourself uh, 
before you start this work? Because so many people want to say, I want to start a nonprofit or I want to start a for-profit business or I want to help my community. But there's still things that they're fractured inside and they're, they have their biases that they are, aren't aware of. And they step into this work and this work exposes all your flaws because it's going to put you in that pressure cooker. <laughs> it's it's going to put you under the lights literally and figuratively and everyone is going to poke and push and prod. And if you have not at least attempted to look within to be able to answer these questions and stand up on the stage and stand up on your word, it, it's going to be a very, very hard road for you. And having you come on and, and say that, say, this is how I've been able to do this in my community. It, it then stands to show why you are successful in your community. Why I choose purple is successful. Why you're working with other businesses is because you're like, I worked on me first and this is what I want to do with the community. Now let's work on everyone individually in this office because we're not a monolith. Everyone has a different opinion, you know, and you have to be able to approach that person on that day at that hour and work with them at that time. And it's going to fluctuate as you go along. And like you said, with your friends, you have different types of friends that some say, yeah, Mexican-American. Some say, yeah, I'm all Mexican. And they probably all differ, like you said, on whether or not your kids should learn Spanish. And what my wife, what Gladys and I have found out is what are we comfortable with? What do we want? Because we can filter or take in what everybody says we should do and how we should raise them and how we should speak. But if we don't know our I, if we don't know us, then yeah, we're going to try to please everyone else. But we've been able to look and say, this is who we are and this is what we're going to stand on and this is what we're comfortable with and we're going to move on. And so I, I think I just want to say kudos to that, man. That was great. I, I really, really enjoyed that. You know, and you brought that. Thank you. And you brought a, a good reminder of, you know, in all this, especially as you step into leadership. And and I think we are, we all are at some point in leadership, but being, being able to be vulnerable and exactly what you said about, you know, th that those lenses could also be those experiences that you had, good or bad, right? They're going to filter, they're going to polarize what you see and what you do. And bringing the, are you willing to be vulnerable to sometimes say, hey, I was wrong, right? Or where is my reaction coming out of? So it could be as simple as I just snapped on my child for something, right? Snapped on my kid for something. Was it that big of a deal, right? Where did this come from? So it's just being willing to do that, that inner, inner work. And it, it can be tough, but it, being okay with being vulnerable. And again, love what you said about what are you comfortable with? Because at the end of the day, our identities, maybe as fathers or as community members, we're all going to fluctuate on, okay, what's important to us and where do we want to be, who we are. Awesome. Because that's where it is. And since we're both in the community, especially you, you are in the community and you are on the school board. I wanted to ask about that if you're willing to get into that, because how do you carry your culture? So you all of your understanding and you're constantly traveling that path of to understand. And then how do you bring that to the school board? 
as well as your understanding of diversity, equity, inclusion. And you're like, okay, we have to make changes and make them in the way that doesn't come off the wrong way. How does that, or how do you use that to lead you within your um, time as a school board member? You know, uh, so when I was started at the school board, I uh, was invited to be part of the school board. And I think we need to keep in mind, there's always the public perception, right? The outside perception, and then the perception, the, the, the inside, the outside experience of how we, of being there, and then the inside. Uh, and what I mean by that is, okay, I was invited to be part of the school board, which, again, keep going back to my family and parents and the values of, if you want to be, if there is a problem, you can, you know, be part of the solution or... The, Continue being part of the problem. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go, I'll serve. Um, so I knew that I was bringing my immigrant experience from a Mexican community member to the school board, right? I knew that things were a little bit different. So in the journey before I started on the school board, uh, my journey of learning to be culturally competent in the U.S. culture. How do I, you know, the agendas are different, right? We are familiar with, we get to a gathering, we want to say hi to each other, right? Shake hands, how's the family, how's the kid? Uh, even on business in the in the Spanish-speaking communities, many times there is this, let's catch up, it's very social, then we get to the business side. American culture, here's the agenda, starts, ends, adjourn. If you said hi or greeted each other before that, not a big deal, right? If you did or didn't, so... I knew there were some differences that I still had to navigate and I was uh, learned to do it. Also, I knew that while I was a representative and on the board, what my role was, and that I also not just represented the Spanish-speaking community, but also represented the Anglo community and the parents and the students on my community, on my ward. Um, it took being intentional to approach conversations that were uncomfortable it took people that were truly invested in students in our community and that were willing to hold space and say we see you and we value what you have to say so what do we do so that was that, that's a big piece um no it took me a while to learn how to work be part of a board so at the beginning you know there was this community perception from even people that were uh, of color and immigrant Spanish speakers along with the Anglo community that thought he's just the token, right? He's just there because they need a Latino in the board. A lot of us think though, a lot of us feel that way that we get tapped to be in these rooms and imposter syndrome. And, it, and it's weird because it's like a, a, a full community imposter syndrome because you yourself don't feel like you should be there. Like, why did they have me there? There's probably somebody else. And the whole community is like, well, uh, he's not going to really get nothing done. They're not going to let him do anything. And you, you, you feel like you shouldn't be there, which is a horrible feeling. But it's something that people have called. It's something we navigate every time we get into the new room. That's something additional we have to navigate while navigating the inner workings of the room that we're in. You question, your questions like, am I really going to be heard? Like, I they really, does my answer carry, does my contribution contribution carry value? So, yeah. It, and then, you know, as you go and you have some people that are 
uh, I had people that were pushing and saying, hey, we need somebody in leadership positions. You know, we're familiar with that narrative saying we need to continue to help people of color be in decision making tables, uh, spots, uh, leadership positions. So, you know, there was this happiness or, hey, we have someone there. And then months in, well, Car Carlos, we need to, this needs to change. And, you know, this <laughs> is happening. And, and well, I, you feel <laughs> like, well, but I'm not responsible for that piece, right? Yeah. So you, so understanding how the system works. Right? They, they, when you get there, they feel like you have to answer for everyone. You are the entire, you are the, the mouthpiece for your entire culture, for your entire race. And you have to be, be able to answer, well, why did they do this? Or why did that happen? Why did those kids do this? And you have to be able to answer, be in everyone's head and be completely omnipotent. And then also, you know, your community wants you to get things done. We need this done. We need this. We need this. We need this. And it's like, I want to help you. But I also want to help everybody's kids. Because like you said, be intentional. Reds and blues come together and make purple. If I help all of our kids, then we all can go up. Well, and you know, that was the hardest. So even now, so I've been there about 10 years now. Um, I am very grateful of the board that we have. We have a very uh, culturally competent board. And what I mean by that is, you know, so many times, again, we're looking for, we need somebody of color at that table, right? Or we need representation, which we do. I'm not saying it's not valuable. Definitely. Uh, what I found so far with the people that we have around the school board table uh, and the administrators and the system and the process is school boards uh, our school board members are willing to hold space for uncomfortable conversations about hey what about our spanish speaking students and then carlos you are familiar with with some of it right we're not asking you to speak for everybody but what has been your experience and i'm not the only one that is having those conversations it's the administrators is the teachers is the board members that are willing to say well what about our kids in the lower socioeconomic uh, uh group and we know they're not just latinos there's more right so we have been able to make the difference between challenging you chris because uh you know what you stand for versus challenging your ideas and your thoughts and what you're bringing to the table. So I have nothing personal against you and having that understanding that can we truly have a tough conversation where we know it's in the best interest for our students, but I know what I'm bringing to the table. Now, I'm not being asked to be the expert on everything. We're there to, you know, we have, we have two responsibilities. We hire and fire the superintendent. We overlook, you know, policy and we're part of that. Um, one thing that many people didn't don't know still is that one, uh, we are part of, we have about, in, uh, in Grand Island, 21, 22 uh, standing committees. We're all part, all seven or nine school board members are part of at least three. So we are putting in anywhere from 15 to 30 hours a month in school board work. We're having a lot of these conversations. So the way I've been able to have that is, creating relationships with board members. You know, I mentioned about, I would show up to the meeting the first times and nobody would greet me nobody would say anything to, right so i would sit down and i was questioning did i miss a meeting did i vote for the wrong thing what's going on so actually the conversation came up i brought it up and a couple of board members were open to that um conversation of 
I just want to get there and say hi to everybody and ask you about how your family was. Then I'll go sit down and want the yeah. business. Changing the culture, changing the, the mindset of it because now instead of being standoffish, instead of standing in the room and it's me versus you, now you're all together. Now I know about what your kid's doing in flag football. Now I know about what you did on the weekend and we can have an amicable conversation because I know you past what you don't like. And now we understand that, but I also understand a different side of you. And that's the side I would want to, we want to tap into. That's how we have a better conversation. And, and it was a, an, um, so one, it gave them an understanding of culturally how I function, right? What I need in order to function. But I also understood culturally and they had nothing against me. They were not mad. They were not, you know, standoff. They just, that was culture. You do business. We're here just for business. But it created that, okay, where are we? Who do we want to be? And to the point that when families come to the school board meetings that are Latino, you know, I know they feel the same way. So when I'm out, um, you know, from the board horseshoe that we call, even though I'm at the front, I will speak to the Spanish, to his parents in Spanish and no, nobody in the board will say, well, what did you say? They're just glad that, hey, I made a connection with the parent because we want to do everything we can to connect with them, right? And we do offer when we know where there's more families coming in, in uh, translating or interpreting services. So the way I have brought in my experience is be able to look at all my lenses, but also understand the how the other works and how systems work. Um, and to remember that it really takes all of us and as we were getting set up, you know, we're talking about many times people want quick answers to complex systems, right? That does not work. So why, you know, why are we not getting involved? Carlos, why are you not changing this? Well, I have no power as a board member as one. We have power as nine. So there's a system. We have also been able to challenge the system and say, and ask the question, as a school board, what's not working? If we've done it for the, you know, well, that's how we've done it. Why have we done? But that's that the definition of insanity. Right. So you yeah. keep doing the same thing and you expect a different result. Yeah. So we've asked those questions. So I, I think it's not so much that I'm only trying to represent the Latino community or have a voice and that now I want everything done a certain cultural way. But what we want to do is have a appropriate cultural responsive way of doing business. And again, it's going to take me to understand it's, 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 a, it's, it's purple. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. Well, everything should be, you know, the shoots. I, everything should be <laughs> Spanish, and you have to do this, and you have to change all this. Okay, what can we do now? And and, and maybe they, there are places where it's like, yep, we can definitely do all that. In those places that we can't, we ask, well, how can we, and can we get there? But it is a complex system of how do we deal with it. We've been talking about, you know, prejudice and racism, and uh, we'll touch back about what being home means. Um, so we have to create that space for uncomfortable conversations that we know is not personal, but can we talk about it? Because it affects our leadership decision uh, process. But And you're doing a great job by it because you're making people feel welcome. And I think, like you said, with the greetings, like you wanted to greet people, you wanted to see how they're doing. I think that's something that gets overlooked when you're deciding to change a community because people want to say, oh, we got we to be more diverse. We got to be more, be, be equitable. We got to include people. But if you're not making people feel welcome, then the rest of that is just words. 
And so when I walk into a store, if I don't feel welcome, it just you may have my traditional food on the shelf. But if I don't feel welcome to even go in the store to see that, then it's not going to change. I'm still just going to shop in the market that I feel comfortable in and buy my foods. And then you'll still be after the question, well, how come they don't come in here? We brought this stuff. Oh, see, they don't like it. But again, you have to make people feel welcome to change the community. And that's what you're doing. Because when I listen to you, you it seems like you're doing your best, whether in your volunteer time on the school board and in the subcommittees or whether it is in your business. And I choose purple. You're trying to make people feel welcome. Number one, or teach them how to welcome others. Number two, and then teach them how to reconcile themselves and to be able to move forward with all of that and to be able to do that and recognize that those are necessary. So I, I have to applaud your work. I have to, you got to get the kudos because that, that's the reason why the wild ones exist is to give people like yourself who are in the community working in love daily, going to those meetings after your job or after, you know, your kids have a, a sporting event or a school event and you're making the time to be intentional that and you're doing that and it may get hard or may get frustrating, but it's still what you love to do and you're still doing that. And, and that is awesome. And you want pe more people to be purple. And and I want to not end, but I want to ask one question is because you're talking about being intentional with you know being a leader and leadership and, and where that lies. I wanted to ask what you're doing for the following generation, like whether it is with I Choose Purple or whether it is within your volunteer work or just in the community. What is something that you're doing or you think needs to be done with the next generation to have viable candidates to replace you, to do what you're doing and take it to the next level? It takes all of us. And I think we have to break it down to where are we wanting to make an impact and going back to what you were saying about you know doing what you love every day you don't really have to work right because you love it but loving something doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard or that you're going to have to face barriers or issues um, i am grateful i think what i'm doing is i'm following on this footsteps of others that were that put into my life right that i was able to say I'll be coachable i'll be teachable if you're there right uh and they helped me through this journey um there are great people in our communities. The biggest impact right now that I hope is where we can make or I'm, we can make a difference because not just it's not just me is it's really the people that I'm coming in contact with that are willing to sit down and model and stepping into the unknown. Maybe I don't know. Uh, being able to create a spaces for. You want to to be to be a, a mentor, and not not officially, right? There are people in our community that are just watching us, and I've had younger. I'm getting to that point where I'm just like, you know, younger kids are in their 30s and, and 20s, right? It's not. It's no more. Oh, they're younger and they're in their teens. No, I'm. Uh, they come up and like, really would like to do what you're doing, or you know, I appreciate. Or they will ask, hey, I'm in this situation as a young uh, man of color. And I'm, I want to pursue this position, this, what can I do? So modeling that relationships are key, build relationships, know your, know who you are and that we are all in this together, you know, and there are times 
where no one will step up, so it's you. And there's times that you are you are allowed to say, you know, I'm done, I'm tired, uh, it's been hard. I think we, so um, I, I've been finding myself at that point multiple times where I've questioned, do I have to? Right? Is it is it me, or how can I bring somebody with me? Um, that that it is going to be tough, and and that it, we're not going to agree on everything. Um, that there's times there are people that are bad people prejudice that exists right people that push right. their buttons but then and intentionally push them there you go and, and they have a malice right through yes. it yes because i also haven't encountered people that truly are questioning not me and my identities and who i am but they're questioning something different and they're curious about it mm-hmm. and some of them are curious and it comes across okay <laughs> yeah. some of them are curious and you're like ah oh, that yeah. came out Really bad, right? Let me explain why that was bad <laughs> and let's reframe it and I will go ahead yeah. and answer this question yeah. for you. You know, and I've had people call me out too. Uh, uh, and when I've worked with not only different ethnicities, but as I've worked with people in the LGBT community, uh, people that have different uh, values in spirituality, for example, you know, I truly want to understand what's important to you. And there might be times that we need to work together we need to have more of those conversations. I think social media has taken away the ability to have a com- have qu- question someone without making it a black and white. Oh, you didn't do this, so you must support this. Oh, you didn't do that, you must be this. Well, and also, how do we focus on our circles of influence and affluence? At the end of the day, there is a small circle around me that I can have some influence and affluence. So what I want people to think when they see me is I want them to think purple. And I want them to know that my tagline, or I'm still working on it, but only I just want to put life, I want to breathe life into people's hearts and missions so they can pursue what they want to do. I want to love people where they are. Because there's love people where they are to me is so important because it acknowledges that Wherever someone is, they've had a journey, different than yours, maybe easier, maybe harder. But if we don't start by loving them where they are, how can we take them anywhere else if we're going to push back or we're going to feel that we're being pushed back? You know, I've realized that maybe politics, when it comes to like governments, you know, senator, mayor, maybe that's not my thing. There's other people that have better skills, right? I'm not prepared for that. But I think you do. You're amazing. <laughs> like when you said you want to breathe life into people, and we talked about building that leadership and people looking at you. Because again, and I say this so many times, I think it makes people sick. Representation matters. Seeing someone that looks like you, talks like you, walks like you, eats like you, whatever it is, seeing someone and seeing what they do. Representation matters in a positive way and a negative way. And especially in communities of color and lower economic communities, representation in a negative way takes off like wildfire. But you being out there wearing intentionally wearing purple, being on the school board, having your business that's working with other businesses to make sure they're diverse, making sure they have equitable practices, practices, making sure they're including the entire community, making people feel welcome. That is bringing kids along and doing that and adding, even adding a social media piece. Cause you know, kids are on social media. I, I'm on TikTok. I gotta be on there. I, you know I'm like? But adding that and me, like you said, meeting them where they're at 
and bringing that message to them and breathing life into their dreams. You don't got to do exactly what I'm doing. It doesn't have to be purple. It could be yellow. It could be whatever color. But let's get your dreams out there. Let's take flight. Know that you can do it because I did it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I think that representation piece, you know, who are we, who do we look up to? And and, and we are all representing our community. Um, I was listening to one of the sharks, uh, Damon. Uh, uh, the, uh, he, may, he I went to see him with my wife and uh, one of his, he goes through his points of, you know, here are my five points. And one of them was um, that you're always pitching yourself, right? So if there's something that I can, that I am trying to live and drive and encourage young people to is, Everything you're putting out there, you're pitching yourself. So what's your brand? Who are you? Whatever you put out there, you can't just say, well, you know, that was something out. No, it's you. You're pitching yourself 24-7. And back then, like our dads, you know, would steal it. You would know first impressions matter. You have to make a good first impression. Stand up straight. Wear clothes a certain way. Speak up. Shake my hand firm. Look in my eyes. Because just like you said, you're always pitching yourself. Who do you want to be? Or the best one my dad used to tell me, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Always show up looking like you want to be somebody's boss. You know, and, and that's that's one of the things that I think as, because now that I'm getting older, and I think we probably said it to us we were younger, I hear that, well, it's different. Things have changed. But I think there's some things that haven't changed, right? But also, there's the social norms. We all have an agreement of what social norms are. And I don't think it's a bad thing to push them and questioning them. But it's hard to get to those places where you're going to actually have a conversation. So I, I tell my kiddos, I'm sounding like my dad in a different way, right? But I tell young people, it's not that you're changing who you are, you know? And honestly... I am blessed. I have, I love what I do. And now I get to go to meetings and show up to presentations where I literally show up in what I'm wearing right now. Right. I am me. I'm my brother. There's a space for that. But I have also learned that there are times where I am wearing a suit and tie because I'm going to go to a different crowd and I want to make a different impression. Right. So it's not that I'm devaluing myself or changing or trying to be an imposter. Right. No, it's just, there's some things that we we know. Now, we all have our boundaries. We all have, are you willing, are we willing to learn from, does it matter? How much does it matter? How much does it really make How a difference? How much does it matter to you? Yeah. And what are you willing to be okay with? What are you comfortable well, with? And what are you willing to either win or lose, right? So, I mean, and I we're taking the dress code easily. It's an easy example, but you can put it into life. If you show up to life, and you want the results of a suit, but you show up with, you know, khaki shorts and flip-flops, can't be upset that you didn't get the results that you wanted. On the same token, I think that's where you and I and along with other community members can be there to say, let me coach you, let me help you, let me guide you. Um, We all have an experience. Are we willing to grow? And there's a time and a place. And that's the one thing you you learn, even in working in nonprofit or working in a community, is a time and a place. Like you said, it's a time and a place. I need to have a suit and tie on because that's the job or the next thing I want to be at. But then there's also a time and a place where you meet people where they are and you're here in maybe a button up and some shorts or a purple T-shirt and some jeans because you're meeting everyone where they are. And then when you go to wear the suit and tie and you're speaking, you're meeting them where they are. And then so on and so on and so on. And just learning 
how to manage that. And like you said, understand you're not being an imposter to yourself because both sides are who you are. That's both your lens, but it's knowing when to be which one and be the other. So I want to, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show because I this was an amazing conversation and we covered so much and we could probably be here for another <laughs> two hours covering things. But I, I want to get to, I want you to shamelessly plug yourself. I mean, give every ounce that you're comfortable with. Tell people where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you, either by social media, by email. I also know you have a podcast, so please talk about that. So this this is the time to shamelessly plug yourself. Awesome. Carlos. And before I plug, because I, yes, but before I do that, I just want to get, uh, when we started, you know, talking, we started talking about home. Uh, and, and I just want to go back to something that I, I to sum up what we've talked about. Um, in the last, as crazy things have been in our communities, in leadership, um, you guys are plugged into leadership and doing, making changes, you know, little by little, I started feeling like, man, I don't feel like I'm welcome, right? I don't feel like I'm home. So th there for a while, I even put tell people, Grand Island is not home anymore. Now, why does that mean? You start looking at social media and, you know, being in leadership position where you're being questioned and pushed and, and blasted in many different ways. You know, I started feeling like, man, this is not a welcoming place. But then I would get home and be like, but we have such great people, right? And so it is. So I was dealing with all that. And as I, as I processed it, processed everything, I've come to realize that for me, home is where I've built relationships with people that see me and hear me, like you in Lexington, with people that are across Nebraska that we've had, we've sat down, right? And, and made uh, relationships and we had conversations and, and you get to feel like you belong. So, Grand Island does feel like home because uh, there is people that see you and hear you. So I would encourage everyone. That's why it's important to build relationships, regardless of ethnicity. And we can go into all this equity stuff and diversity. But at the end of the day, build a relationship with somebody. Just get into that deeper. So with that, thank you. Thank you. I choose purple. Facebook. I choose purple, uh, the website.com. My podcast is called At the Purple Table, which I will do have you on my guest list. It's just, I'm not working as hard as you are. I mean, you guys are hustling. You, I only have two episodes. Uh, At the Purple Table, a place to have uncomfortable, comfortable conversations about you pick the topic. And again, going back to the concept of uh, how do we get to know and build and work with People that might not believe the same things, what, how we develop those skills. So that's what the podcast is. I am on Anchor, uh, Anchor and uh, Spotify. Uh, but yeah, if you go to actuallyspurple.com, uh, you'll have the website. Uh, there's all my contact information is there. You know, and honestly, when I started my this gig, I didn't know what to tell people I did. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, if you're looking for anything related to diversity, equity, language services, you just don't know where to start, I'm the best candidate. Let's sit down, let's have coffee, let's figure it out. I choose verbal, yeah, just choose verbal and then go from there. Uh, but again, uh, if you're looking for a uh, facilitator for meetings, creative meetings, uh, have inclusive meetings where every voice is at the table, strategic planning, uh, if you're looking for a workshop speaker, you're looking for a keynote speaker, I am your man. And if I'm not it, I will find you somebody. But uh, really, I'm just looking forward to connecting. 
best way that you can help us all out is, you know, sharing your podcast, sharing my podcast or content. I'm still on a learning journey and, and loving connecting with people and creating home, creating home. So, yes, that's how everyone go build a relationship with Carlos. Go on to the podcast, go to the I Choose Purple website, look him up, contact him, find him on social media, make a connection, build a relationship with Carlos and learn how to help your community and how to facilitate the conversation of change. And with that, everybody. Thank you for this podcast. Carlos, thank you for being on. And as always, everybody, stay wild.